0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay, one of the hosts of Yield Crime. Just wanted to give you a heads up that since you are listening to an earlier episode of Yield Crime, you may notice that the audio quality isn't the best. It does get better, I promise. If you are willing to stick with it, great. If you'd rather start with better quality audio, I would suggest skipping ahead to episode 19 when we purchased newer, better audio equipment. And on that note, thank you for listening and on with the show. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Ye Old Crime Podcast, where we discuss the funny strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me today is my co-host and sister, Maddie Sengel. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) So... I was thinking before we kind of start, I would set the stage for what exactly constitutes crimes of yesteryear. Sure. So basically, anything before the 1900s is fair game. Okay. Like the 1900s and beyond. Like I feel like anything I could cover, someone else has already covered way better than I would be able to. (laughs) And to be honest, I feel like a lot of the stories that happened like earlier in history are funnier because it's just the things that happen are hilarious. And they're more obscure, so you don't hear about them as often. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, I think, are worthy of being told. Absolutely. So that's kind of what my goal is with this podcast, is to just kind of share with you some of the funny and weird and like less well-known crimes of the past. Sounds good. Let's do it. So are you excited for today's topic? Yes. Today we are going to discuss, well, I'm going to share all the information and you're going to like, I'm going to react appropriately and inappropriately (laughs) Yes, in the worst. (laughs) We are going to talk about the trans Allegheny lunatic asylum. No. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. It's going to be so gross. It's going to be gross. Okay. So before I dive into it, um, I pulled information for this from a 2019 Atlas Obscura article by Troy Dinone. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. That was most likely wrong. (laughs) You hesitated too. It was probably, it was really wrong. I was like, the um, Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum's website. Just probably... 100% accurate. Yep, I would hope so. They don't. That's the truth at all. Yep, I would hope so. Everyone's favorite Wikipedia. Uh, 2018 All That's Interesting article by Katie Serena. I know I nailed that one. Yeah. 2018 Washington Post article by Jim Barnes. Uh, 2019 Thought Catalog article by Jerome London. A 2018 Road Unraveled article by Stephanie Hubka. Oh, wow. And last but not least, a 2008 article from Appalachian History by Dave Tabler. 2018 was a good year for the Transformers. 20- <laughs> <laughs> it was. Their, their marketing team was. On it. They're like, hey, Washington Post. It was a great year for the asylum. (laughs) Can you believe this? (laughs) It was only downhill from there. (laughs) So I'll dive into the nitty gritty history. Awesome. So the Trans Allegheny Asylum was built between 1858 and 1881. And it is the largest hand cut stone masonry building in North America. It took forever. Yep. I'll go into why. The only other building that has hand cut stone masonry is the Kremlin. Ooh, I already hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, bad vibes. Bad vibes. <laughs> its walls are two and a half feet thick. Yeah, and it's all stone. Yep. That's why it took so long. How, how'd they find all that stone? I don't even know where they would have gotten it, to be honest. And where is this? This is in um Weston, West Virginia. How did they get all that stuff? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They just like ship it from (laughs) I don't know if they just like took it from the mountains. I don't know. (laughs) So contrary to popular belief, the asylum does not sit on 666 acres, as some places will try to convince you to add to the spoopy nature of the place. Um but it says on 300 and it does house 13 buildings. It's disappointing. I know. <laughs> Everybody's like 666. I was like, actually, it's like a lot smaller. <laughs> it's a lot smaller than that, fam. Let's be clear. Um, It's 300, although it does hold 13 buildings on the property. Wow. And it is said to be one of the most haunted hospitals in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Is it limestone too. I think so. I need to, I didn't, is it by a river? It is by a river. Oh my god! <laughs> Everybody's haunting it. It's like, hey y'all, let's just go creep the shit out of this place. <laughs> That's how they got the stone there, that river. Yeah, probably. That makes so much more sense. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Tugboat it down the river. <laughs> So the building uses the Kirkbride plan, which was a layout designed by Thomas Story Kirkbride in the mid 19th century. Um, Kirkbride was a Philadelphia psychiatrist, and he devised the theory that fresh air and sunlight is critical to one's mental health which is why all of his designs follow like a bat wing type layout that radiates from the center of the building into super long wings. Oh. So it's like the main building and then you go up one level and there's another building out. And then like, so it's kind of like... So like, is it is it so like one part of the building isn't super cast in shadow at some point Yep, to kind of help with the sunlight. Yep. So it's staggered. So every room in the building will be able to get natural sunlight. That's kind of nice. I mean, people don't, they don't make buildings like that anymore. No. You're lucky if you get sunlight in your apartment. (laughs) I know. Right. But that also explains why it has to be on so many acres because it's this huge building. Yeah. You know, so yeah, this layout allowed for lots of light privacy, room to wander with the general population. I read that he recommended having at least 110 acres to build the property just because of how long it was. So now it's more impressive because he was like, we should have 110. They're like, we're having 300. And then everybody had to ruin it with the 666. And they're like, it's so much bigger. It's like, where is that coming from? We own this river now. <laughs> we're counting the river <laughs> in it all its tributaries, <laughs> the tugboat path. So the standard building had eight wings and could accommodate 250 patients. Damn. And each wing had a separate ward that housed patients, but it also included a parlor, bathroom, clothes room, speaking tube, which is kind of like... Like a tin can and a string? Pretty much, yeah. So you could talk... Oh my God. Yeah, it's like basically like a giant like tuba type thing that you could speak into to talk to people downstairs. Uh, why would you talk to them? I don't know. Maybe if you wanted to talk to people in the kitchens. They'd give you like raisins <laughs> you can have some raisins and you'll like it while you look outside in your parlor <laughs> while you stare outside damn it karen start stop using the tube <laughs> someone take the tube away from karen <laughs> and it also had a dumbwaiter so it could like bring all the stuff up oh ah, so you'd yell at them through the tube and then they give you raisins <laughs> be like wait by the dumbwaiter <laughs> and you wait for like 10 minutes while they hoist up the raisins oh so many horror movies have dumb waiters right oh like it it always ends up with like the cable getting cut and someone like falling to their death or you like go down and it's really nice and easy when you open the door and there's like murderer (laughs) in the kitchen like these are raisins so the most excitable patients uh obviously that meaning dangerous ones uh they were housed at the far ends of the wings Oh, so they didn't have their own wing. They were on all the wings, but just... Yeah, but they were just like at the bookends of the wing. Um, And the rooms were designed to house only one person. So keep that in mind. Oh. Yeah. So the main building housed the administrators, the kitchens, public and reception areas, as well as apartments for the superintendent's family. That's typical. That makes sense. So by the time the people were moved in, it was probably like 1860 something, maybe. Or did they not house them until like it took that until the very end? Um, some of them came in before 81. Okay. Um, I have the date further down. Sorry. Sorry, so we'll get there. <laughs> Stop <laughs> skipping ahead, <damn> it. <laughs> It's fine. Another part of his plan was to ensure the asylum was self-sufficient and showcase nature. So um, the foliage and farmland were sometimes tended to by the able-bodied patients as a form of recreation and therapy and exercise, um, which... You know, he's on the right track because it's like you need sunlight. You should have fresh air. You should get outside. Have something to do with your day. Yeah. Instead of just like a way to feel accomplished instead of just sitting at the window and then leaving the window and then going back to the window. Yeah. yeah. Or just wandering the hallways. Antagonizing the tip people. Using the dumbwaiter. On the tip. (laughs) Just like randomly speaking into the tube. Hey, tip people. I got more reasons than you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he had a plan for everything, this Kirkbride guy. Sure he did. Sounds like it. Um, So he also had a plan for staffing. So he recommended having 71 members of staff. That's specific. Who were required to either live on site or live nearby. These included the physician-in-chief, assisting physicians, a steward. Just one steward. A steward. Just one steward. (laughs) Supervisors, engineers, a carpenter. Just one? I don't, I don't, I might have had more than one. Was he he 71? He (laughs) He was the one. And then they're like, shit, we need a carpenter too. Damn it. (laughs) Um, Teachers, carriage drivers, farmers and gardeners, attendants, cooks and bakers, night watchmen, iron workers, launderers, and seamstresses. That poor carpenter. He had nobody. All like iron workers and just one carpenter. Okay, like (laughs) maybe they tag team it. Like, well, is it because it was all stone, and so they're like the iron workers can help with the stone, and the carpenter can just like I don't know go fuck himself. <laughs> he can work on the dumb waiter because he's dumb. <laughs> he can make all the furniture. Good luck with that police system, Jason. <laughs> um, the gender ratio was also supposed to be as evenly split as possible, with 36 wow. being female and 35 male. Oh, well, so maybe the carpenter was uh, a woman. Maybe. Uh, Kirkbride recommended that at least two attendants be working each ward at any given time, with more working in the wards that contain the more excitable patients. Yeah, that's exactly how it should go. (laughs) Um, So before it officially closed in 1994, the asylum was made up of 13 buildings, which included the main building that housed the patients, medical center, geriatrics and forensics buildings, um, tuberculosis building. Yeah. Yeah. A canteen, the original and the newer one, which is now the preservation office, uh, maintenance building, women's auxiliary, greenhouse, dairy barn, and pump house. For the pregnant women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get their own house. You don't have to use that bath that last stall in the bathroom anymore, Cheryl. You get your own. You get your own house. <laughs> Yay. They were so progressive in the 1900s. They were really, I'm very impressed. So the first asylum using his plan was built in Trenton, New Jersey in 1848 after legislation was passed um, regarding the fair treatment of people that are deemed mentally insane. And this is thanks in part to a social rights activist named Dorothea Dix, and she's pretty important. So Dorothea was born in Maine in 1802 and had an abusive alcoholic father and a mentally unstable mother i'm sure that was really uncommon at the time yeah she was one in a million (laughs) um so she basically raised her two younger brothers Mm. and even though she wasn't able to go to school she opened her own school at the age of 15 to teach other young girls since girls were not given the option to go to school at the time dang you go dorothy yeah. So then, um, in 1841, she witnessed the horrors of mentally ill faced when she visited a local jail in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The "quote unquote" insane were often kept in cages, chained to walls, naked, and stuck in rooms without heat or proper ventilation. Sure, because that'll fix everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so she crusaded pretty tirelessly to improve conditions for the mentally ill, and eventually convinced the Massachusetts state legislature that facilities for the mentally ill were needed. And when legislation passed and funds were provided, she partnered with Kirk Bride to build and open that first asylum in Trenton in 1848. Nice. How big was that one? Do you know? It was the same size as far as the building. I don't know how many additional buildings they had on site. How many bat wings they had? You know, eight. Eight wings. but we have like 13 bat wings. (laughs) We have like 13 (laughs) wings. We're a little lopsided. We've got more (laughs) bats. Um, To go back to Thomas Story Kirkbride, Uh, he was born on July 31st in 1809 to a Quaker family in Pennsylvania. Shocker. Um, At 18, he began his study of medicine. And after receiving a medical degree from the University of Pennsylvania in 1832, he opened his own practice from 1835 to 1840. That was the year he became the superintendent of the Pennsylvania Hospital for the Insane. So there's just one. There was just one. Um, Dang. So he was like, we should fix this. And that's when he um, started thinking about the Kirkbride plan. Okay. Was he friends with him? Yeah, he was. Because he was Kirkbride. Oh, yeah. He was friends with himself. (laughs) Are they friends? He sounds nice. Did they go to school together? He was like, hey, guy, you seem pretty sane to me. Let's develop a plan. (laughs) Did we talk about it over lunch? The quicker oats, because he was a quicker. Funding was granted by the Virginia State Assembly in 1850 for the construction of the asylum. And that work started in 1858. The work was initially done by prison laborers, a.k.a. seven Negroes, before um, mason workers were brought in from Germany and Ireland. I like how specific they were about the seven Negroes. Like, that's. So it was them and then like indentured servants afterwards, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. Great. So back to your question about why it took so long. There were seven people. (laughs) It was only seven people. But actually, it was interrupted by the Civil War in 1861. They didn't have to work that long then, right? (laughs) Like they got out. (laughs) They were just like, hey, fam, I know you were really excited to build this asylum, but now you're going to go fight in this war. My BFF Abe said I don't have to work for you anymore. So (laughs) I got to go. So this is the Trans Allegheny one, not the one in New Jersey. Correct. Okay. So the one in New Jersey was already established and like hanging out. Yep. And they're like, this works. So let's move it somewhere else. Let's build one in Weston. And then the world was like, "Mm, but like, slavery? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so in June of that year, obviously all non-war related work was stopped. Makes sense. And on, this is pretty crazy, so sit yourself down. Well, you're already sitting, but like, just prepare yourself. Okay. So on June 30th, Weston was invaded by troops of the 7th Ohio Infantry, led by Colonel Erastus Bernard Taylor. Serial killers often go by three names, too. Yep. (laughs) Taylor ordered his troops to sweep the town looking for Confederate sympathizers, but his real purpose of invading was so they could rob the local bank. Great. Because the Western branch of the Exchange Bank of Virginia held almost $30,000 in gold to pay the asylum workers wages. Dang, that's a lot of money then. Yep. So Taylor sent Captain List and two of his men to the bank where they woke up the banker who lived above, um, made him let them into the vault, where they proceeded to make off with $27,000, which in today's money is over half a million. Dang. Where was the other $3,000? Is it like in his pockets? They decided to leave enough to um, take care of the people who were fighting on their side. So they're being very generous and leaving like $3,000. Wow. Um, So they brought the gold back to Wheeling to help fund the new state of Virginia, which ended up being West Virginia in 1863. So they basically stole money from West Virginia to make West Virginia. (laughs) They're like, we want our own Virginia. (laughs) Let's just take this money. We're going to take the Western part. (laughs) And so, for a time, the partially built asylum um, temporarily became Fort Tyler. Dumb name, right? Like people, people were named like Barnassas and stuff, and they Tyler. Because <laughs> well, at first, I was like, "Oh, is it named after him?" And it's like, "No, his name was Taylor." Yeah, it was Tyler. Um, and that's because that area was heavily trafficked, obviously, because there's like a river there. The ghost river, got it? Um, so the the completed southern wing was the barracks, and the main foundation was a horse stable. So um, during the war, control of the asylum changed many times. Um, There were Confederate raids in 1862 and 63. And in 1864, raiders stripped the asylum of all the clothing and food that were intended for its first patients, as well as another $5,288 from the bank. Dang, so they had like accumulated more money. And they're like, "LOL, we're back. <laughs> 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 we're not leaving anything this time." Yep. And so, basically, in today's money, that's like eighty-seven thousand dollars. Dang. And they food and clothes. They're like, "Fuck you guys." That sucks. Not only are we going to take your food and clothes, we're also going to rob you blind. Um. Now we're going to get into the fun stuff. Is it fun? <laughs> it is it. So, um, when. West Virginia was officially granted statehood in 1863. Um, it was renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. Yeah, because they just made it. They were like, hey, remember that time we stole all your money? Well, we're going to name the hospital after us because we're awesome. <laughs> so the asylum opened its doors to its first 20 patients in 1864. Did they have clothes? I hope they got some clothes and food for them. <laughs> Otherwise, it was pretty bleak. Um, and even though it was originally built to hold 250 patients, that number very quickly swelled. So at this time in history, the number of reasons you could be admitted to the asylum was pretty varied, and it wasn't difficult for families or husbands to drop off their family members or wives with little to no explanation as to why. Yeah, um, This also included children who were dropped off as orphans and became wards of the state saying they they just put them in asylums yep well i mean asylum is supposed to be asylum is supposed to be a good thing (laughs) well and a lot of the children that were dropped off were dropped off with their mothers or probably were born there and obviously many of the people who lived in asylums over the years actually probably shouldn't have been there in the first place right here's a fun list of some other ways and reasons that you could have been admitted to an asylum in the 1800s I'll figure out how many of these I actually apply for <laughs> yeah count them up this is be a fun counting game for everyone involved quick little drinking game yeah well you probably shouldn't drink you're gonna give yourself alcohol poisoning so asthma one for me almost yeah bad company oh definitely <laughs> if you have the bite of a rattlesnake a la Oregon trail <sighs> if you're a criminal if your son died in the war what if you suffer from deranged masturbation oh no which I I looked up because I was like what constitutes deranged is it just like general masturbation <laughs> it's like compulsive masturbation like think about like Tourette's but with masturbating like you just have to do it oh if you were deserted by your husband Damn. if you had diphtheria if you had disappointment in love or affection. So you were disappointed or you were disappointing? <laughs> <laughs> I just said disappointment. What if what if it was someone else? They're just like, you know what? I I'm really disappointed. She kind of sucks. Can she just stay here forever? I don't really love her anymore. So she really likes raisins. I think she needs to be here forever. And dumb waiters. She'll fit in real well. She's really good with pulleys. If you had dissolute habits like gambling, sex, drugs, or alcohol. Oh, that's like everybody. If you suffered from a dog bite. <gasps> if you had doubts about your mother's ancestors. When would somebody know that? Like, are you just <laughs> eating breakfast one day and you're just eating your oats with raisins in it and you're like, you know, the potato famine was just shitty right and then they're like oh man okay let's go i'm disappointed in you and you're doubting your ancestry. (laughs) we're not irish (laughs) if you had um excitement as an officer i don't know what that means and i couldn't figure out what that meant sorry my phone decided to answer it for you (laughs) oh my god she she picked up chief excitement officer jobs (laughs) You could be a chief excitement officer. It's on indeed. Ah, damn. Oh, man. If you fell from a horse. horse. Right. I'm going to have to look that up. I want that job now. If you have a female disease, which oh, okay. I'm assuming just means if you have a uterus. Any STI, probably. And they're like, nope, yep, that was you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> you're also a disappointment. Bye. That <laughs> was your real woman. If you were fighting fire. So like somebody tried to like just light a fire next to you and you were like, no, I hate that. They'd be like, okay. <laughs> crazy you should go well that's stone bat building <laughs> <laughs> if you had gastritis oh that's literally everybody now dairy <laughs> <laughs> everybody if um you suffered from greediness or grief if you had a, a gunshot wound yeah this is why nobody talked about their feelings back then yeah <laughs> if you, like, greet, or, like, didn't like someone. <laughs> like, uh, this is one of my favorites, imaginary female trouble. Oh, wow, that could be anything. Mm-hmm. If you led an immoral life, if you had previously been imprisoned, if you suffered from indigestion. Oh, man. If you were kicked by a horse. Oh, my God, I would be in there so many times. Because <laughs> I think kicked by horse as a kid <laughs> I can't remember you were probably kicked by a horse as a kid <laughs> it was the nail in the coffin the female imagination is remembering <laughs> you kicked by a horse as a kid you gotta go I wondered why I was scared of ponies <laughs> so you get to be in the tips <laughs> you're in the end of the building Like you had laziness mm. uh, lost an arm Jeez. If your son got married. Whoa, that's like the ultimate revenge <laughs> for like the yeah. mother in law. <laughs> and this one masturbation for 30 years. Wow. So maybe they were so compulsive they counted. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it like. Dear Diamond. <laughs> Today, my the 30th year that I've been masturbating. I lit like a candle for it. <laughs> if you had menstrual derangement, uh, or milk fever, which dairy? there's two different things this could be. It could either be that you have mastitis, for those that don't know. inflammation of the breasts usually during breastfeeding, or you had a fever caused by drinking poisoned milk from cows that ate too many snake roots. Dang. Those are some vindictive cows. And it's, I was like, how common is snake root that you have to like have that be yeah. a concern? what if there's a farmer that's like i hate my community and then he like just puts his cows in like a snake root pasture <laughs> and if people don't like it he has horses that'll kick him so they get fuck y'all committed. i love the asylum get him lightning <laughs> if you um read novels can't read if your parents were cousins Oh, so, like all royal families, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> this is the Edwardian wing, <laughs> the Game of Thrones wing. Right. If it was rumored your husband had been murdered or deserted, aka you done it, you don't go to prison. You just go to an insane asylum. Yep. If you had scarlet fever, if you were a seductress named Scarlet, <laughs> <laughs> happen to have a fever at the same time. <laughs> I'm so hot literally <laughs> just like all of the boxes <laughs> if you had sexual derangement if your daughter was shot very specific like how many people's daughters were shot right if you had smallpox if you liked snuff very anti-tobacco after the civil war right so. or were superstitious my ancestors their mom's <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> If you um, suppress your masturbation, masturbate damned if you do. And <laughs> <laughs> right. thirty years, but like you can do it like every now and then. Otherwise, you're crazy. This one really, I don't understand suppression of menses. How do you suppress a period? You run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you ride a horse and then fall off of it and then it kicks you <laughs> in the vagina. <laughs> And you're like, finally. I'll <laughs> oh, freeze. But then you still have to go because now you don't masturbate because your uterus is gone. But then you still have imaginary female problems because you're like, I should be having my period. and your know those cows are after you. Because of your time of life. Uterine derangement. If it goes missing. <laughs> it goes it goes crazy. <laughs> the horse kicked it out of you then. <laughs> I hate when my uterus goes astray. Uh, venereal excesses if you were a woman yeah or if you had women trouble so just like existing as a woman in general i think you're 99.9 percent likely to be admitted yep pretty much right so um in 1881 with the increase in mental health diagnosis, like some of the ones that I just shared. Yeah. Uh, the number of patients quickly swelled to 500 more than they were originally planning for. Oh, so it was like 700 some? So it was like 750. Oh. Um, the hospital couldn't keep up, and patients were crammed sometimes up to five in a room. The recovery rate at this time was only 26%, which was well below the average. The farm and dairy on the property, which originally planned to provide for 300 people, was all filled with snake root <laughs> and snakes in your boot. And it quickly became overtaxed, which led to malnutrition for the patients. So even though the asylum was designed with the best of intentions, um, that's obviously not how it was run. Controversial medications and treatments altered the lives of patients, and here's where you come in with your vast medical knowledge. (laughs) Yep, it's not vast. Just so you know, I was a pharmacist for like five years. (laughs) So I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt it, and then you correct me. Okay, let's go. So in the beginning, they use chlorpromazine, also known as Thorazine. Yeah, Thorazine. Okay, I should have led with that. Smooch is trying to open the door. I have a cat that's trying to open my door right now. You can go take care of it Should I? if you need to. Okay, Just go yell at her again. I'm going to go yell at her. In a nice way. I... <laughs> She's not abusive to her cats, so let's be clear. Sometimes they're just douchebags, and they need to be put in their place. I just tell her to go back in the mattress box. She likes that box. Can I come in? What are you... She's covered in something. Oh, no. What are you... She's like covered in some sort of dust. <laughs> and she's an indoor cat. God, she's so gross. <laughs> she's really lucky she's cute. <laughs> she's gross. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> totally derailed everything. It's fine. My cat. All right, back to the Thorazine. That was used to treat psychotic disorders. Mm -hmm. And it was also prescribed and often used to keep patients in a catatonic state. So they'd be subdued. And everyone's favorite, laudanum, was also heavily prescribed as a means to subdue patients instead of just treat pain. Great. Other treatment methods that they used included ice water baths, bloodletting, insulin coma therapy. No. Yeah. No. yeah oh my god really yep yeah they give them a bunch of insulin to induce a coma <gasps> no Yep. they would have to boil it at that time yeah yeah they would have to boil like pig it oh <laughs> that's awful oh my god sorry it's okay i'm a type one diabetic so that's like more intense than anything else for me <laughs> yeah burn it down <laughs> it's like when you find a spider burn it down <laughs> but it's made of stone what do i do i was okay with everything up to this point <laughs> everything sounded great give me my uterus back i'm out of here i'm <laughs> taking my uterus and leaving and lastly they use confinement cribs and cages gross where do they put those in the bat wings i cribs ribs It was like a crypt. I was was in the basement. George, we need at least five more crypts. All right. I was in the Phantom of the Opera's wing with his (laughs) organ. To no one's surprise, there were lots of deaths that took place at the asylum. Um, So, next of kin were obviously notified whenever a death occurred, and they could either come and claim the body, but most of the time, the the patients were buried on site. Yeah. with a number marking their spot on the property. But over time, many of the bodies were were moved and the areas were repurposed to the point where it would be impossible to identify any of the people that are still interred there today. Wow. And there's no real number of how many are actually interred there. Yeah, that adds up. I mean, that's usually how it goes with places like that. Mm -hmm. Especially if they had like scarlet fever and stuff, they were all dying. And they treated tuberculosis there too. So awesome. now we're going to get to the fun paranormal stuff. Oh, ghosts. So since the asylum closed its doors permanently in 1994. So this hospital ran until 1994. That's insane. Literally, <laughs> literally insane. <laughs> so what What kind of uterine diseases were they treating in 94? <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into it because it's past that point. But like 50s and 60s was when lobotomies were the big thing. That's not happening nope. at all. Yeah. So, since the doors have closed, a number of paranormal activities have been reported, some of which include squeaky wheels moving on the tiled floor, apparitions of ghosts walking through walls, balls of light moving rapidly down hallways. There are EVPs of spirits saying, get out in a room where patients committed suicide and where one was stabbed to death. I think it was probably the stabby one. <laughs> and not the one who was like committing suicide. Probably. Doors will close by themselves. There'll be loud banging on the pipes. Hysterical laughter coming from empty rooms. Which Jesus. not a fan. Not a fan. I keep thinking of the squeaky wheels and the pipes as like that passive-aggressive carpenter that was like, "It was just me, guys. <laughs> I was the only one fixing this dumb waiter. Not to be a jerk or anything." The fuck you all for eternity. He's like, "This, this is me working." <laughs> <laughs> I'm still fixing it because it was just me. I hate all of you so much. And um, everyone's favorite objects moving by themselves. And there are even a handful of um, individual ghosts. The carpenter. (laughs) The carpenter. I'm not seeing the carpenter, but I mean, it could be. He's there. So the first floor is home to Ruth, who is a spirit that hates men. Uh, in the afterlife, as much as she hated them when she was living. She's been known to throw things at male visitors, which is always funny. Um, what does she throw? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just picturing her like randomly <laughs> having tomatoes that she'll like throw at people. Come into my tomato room, boy. They're <laughs> like <Bic> pens, <laughs> big pens, pebbles. Big pens for women for women <laughs> this one's mine <laughs> this your boy and you I know can, it's mine because it's pink i can see your uterus drop out <laughs> oh wait <laughs> a soldier named jacob roams the fourth floor does he feel bad about robin all their clothes and their food i hope he does i hope he feels really bad He's gotta live with ruth now so yeah <laughs> she just throws stuff at him all the time <laughs> damn you jacob right that's why he stays on the fourth floor so he doesn't have to run into her all the time <laughs> you only have to run into someone like that once he's like i'm going you're like jeez fuck i'll find a different floor damn it <laughs> a murderer named Slewfoot, who was slashed to death in a bathroom has been seen on one of the floors no idea which one hopefully not the first one that's where ruth is Maybe she killed him. Maybe she did. Maybe she was like, Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> the third floor is haunted by a nurse named Elizabeth, as well as a patient named Big Jim. Were they in love? I hope so. Wouldn't that be adorable? Yeah. She's like, I love you, Big Jim. He's like, I'll stay here with you. I love you too, Elizabeth. We'll throw rocks at people, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go down to the first floor though, because <laughs> Ruth is a bitch. No, <laughs> she secretly loves Big Jim. Jealous of our love. I couldn't have you in life or in death. My <laughs> uh, The most famous ghost is that of a little girl named Lily, who is believed to have been born and died at the asylum. She appears to be around nine years old. Huh. Is often seen wearing a white dress, and she likes to talk, turn flashlights off and on, roll balls. And has also been heard giggling on EVPs. That's not terrifying at all. Right. But honestly, like knowing your children, like your daughter at that age, I could totally see her doing all of those things like turning flashlights on and off and like giggling and scaring people. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. She would totally do that. Yep. For sure. Have <laughs> the best time. <laughs> you think big jim is the carpenter oh my god what if he was and he was like i'm just a lowly carpenter and elizabeth would come to him and be like no big jim you're more than a carpenter yeah i mean it all checks out you're my true love we cracked the code it's no longer haunted they're all free yep You're welcome. West Virginia. Um, (laughs) Just kidding, there's way more ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was one of 73 asylums that were built using the Kirkbride style. Okay. And it's one of the only ones that still stands today. Because it's made out of two and a half foot stone. Right? Dang. (laughs) The other ones were just made out of like sticks and brick. (laughs) They were like the little pig. And that's why, that's why they only had people like with aversions to fire because it <laughs> would just be ruined. This is a highly flammable place. We need you to not like fire. <laughs> it was purchased in 2007 and is slowly being restored by its current owners. They offer a variety of tours, including ghost tours, but only in the buildings that are still structurally sound because liability. Yeah, that's boring. Obviously, they're not giving tours right now because COVID. Um, But if you want, you can learn more, including information on the building's history after the 1900s and prior to its closing by visiting their website, which is trans-alleghenylunaticasylum.com. And Allegheny is spelled A-L-L-E-G-H-E-N-Y. I did not know that. Prior to this. She <laughs> so just went, the trans asylum, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Lunatic Asylum, West Virginia. There it is. <laughs> so um going back to Dorothy Dix, yeah. who totally kicked ass. Yeah, she was great. She continued to champion for mental health rights, as well as helped with the Civil War effort as a nurse. Um and she eventually settled at the New Jersey State Hospital in 1881. And that was one that was formerly known as the Trenton State Hospital, the first asylum. Okay, so it we went to the first one. Yep. And she lived there in a state-funded suite until her death in 1887. So she would have been 85 years old. Sorry, math. Kirk Bride married in 189, or 1839, and he had two children with his first wife before eventually remarrying a former patient. I was just gonna say, did he like throw the first one in the <laughs> one out Like a like a trade trade a patient program? A fresh new model. She's scared. <laughs> Her uterus is fixed. She's no longer oozing things. You know, this one is a newer, fresher model. She hasn't masturbated in 30 years. <laughs> he died of pneumonia in 1883 at his home on the grounds of the Pennsylvania Hospital for the Insane. I realize there was no overt Crime with this story. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on if you think what was done as far as the asylum itself was criminal. Absolutely. All of it was terrible. Like, even it be- being built was terrible the fact that they what was it like had three times more Mm -hmm. patients than they should have at some point and having patients with scarlet fever in the same building as people who were probably just depressed because their son died I mean all those different reasons for the crimes to think that there was any good intention with this building you know like This just kind of seemed like a scapegoat for powerful white men. (laughs) Yeah, because as I was reading it, I was like, like towards the end, the conditions seemed the same, if not worse than they would have been before they even started the reform movement. Like, yeah, I mean, this would was akin to a prison. Like they might have actually been better off in prison than at that asylum. Like truly, yeah, they would have had more room, maybe not as much light, but yeah, as long as like, Mary over there kept her scarlet fever to herself, yeah, which she can't. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I think I keep going back to, obviously it started with the best of intentions. Like the layout makes sense as far as like sunlight, like all the theories are good. Yeah. But it's because the original intention was, and this is based off everything that I read in the various articles that I was, that I referenced before is the goal of the asylum was to rehabilitate so you could then be released again. It was never meant to be, you're going to spend the rest of your life here. But unfortunately, I think that ended up happening to a lot of people just because of all the... It was all who was running it. Yep. All of those reasons were variations, like little... You could tell that they were trying to cast a wider net Mm -hmm. for people and... I don't know if this is too personal for us, but we had a relative that was sent to an insane asylum. So her husband could remarry and have a new family. And she had a kid in the asylum and she grew up until and lived there until she was like 16, I think. So, I mean, a lot of these asylums, unfortunately, were just scapegoats to get rid of unwanted people. And so... I mean, that's why that negative connotation exists. And that's probably why they, nobody ever said they were sick. Nobody ever said that they were sad Mm -hmm. because literally anybody off the street could be like, Hey, she seems depressed. We should probably do her in the trans Allegheny asylum. Right. And like, I don't know. I, I definitely think that it's criminal. Even with the good theories, it was never put into proper practice. Yeah so it was a problem from the start. Yeah, I feel like they were kind of doomed from the start because it was just, you know, they came in like right after the war, and you'll remember that like yep. a handful of those things all had to do with the war, like losing a son, losing a daughter, your your husband dying in the war. Yep, was a reason. Being sad about the war was a reason. Yep. Losing a limb because of the war yeah. was a reason being an officer. And so, you know, like a lot of that could basically just be ridiculously undiagnosed PTSD as far as anything related to the war. Right. Um, But I also feel like by creating a place where they could, in essence, imprison women, it's a better alternative than them putting them in an actual prison with men who really deserve to be in prison. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't make it better. But didn't they have... Like at that time, they still had women specific facilities, didn't they? I don't think they were as common at that time. I think they had like an area where the women could be, or it was if they didn't have an area for them, and they would have to like clear out a cell for the woman, so she wouldn't be in the same general population as all the rest of the men. But even still, like I don't think they had any women's prisons in the late eighteen hundreds. Mm. But if you, I don't know. I, I think this was probably honestly the first iteration of like a nursing home. You know, like it—it it, just a place to keep people that you can't take care of anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was just a much wider, nastier net of just people not wanting to deal with other people, but they're technically not committing a crime. So this was a way for them to kind of get rid of Mm -hmm. the ugliness. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not great. I'm pretty sure that's a crime. I would consider that a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. And like, you could also argue that it was a crime to the workers too. Like they didn't, they didn't stand a chance to, to help. They hadn't, they had no ability to even try to help mm-hmm. because they were overrun. Mm-hmm. So even if you did go there with the best intentions of like, I'm going to help these people and I'm going to rehabilitate them. And like the war did was terrible. And I just want to make people feel better. It was like, just kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to think now because I didn't do the math. I'm trying to figure out how many people each person would have had. Have to do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to think too, like this, this would still pertain like the people that were working with them would be primarily the nurses and the staff like mm-hmm. the doctors wouldn't interact with them to the point of like caretaking per se probably do similarly to what we do now which is just like check-ins and appointments like mm-hmm. you, you're not going to have a doctor that's actually like babysitting so on average and i'm going off the number of 750 i know it and it eventually grew to be way more than that mm-hmm. um after the 1900s so each orderly if you want to call them that would have had about on average 25 people that they would be in charge of on any given day. That's crazy. Like, yeah. And that's if you're factoring in two people per wing, right? So each, each orderly had 25 people they had to manage. Like they don't make classroom sizes that big anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can't have, you can't have classes that size. This is people that, you know, it could run the, it could be the gamut. It could be one of those um, excitable people it could be one of the people that you have to manage, or maybe you are the only one that manages all the excitable people. Yeah. Like, maybe all your 25. Yeah. Yours are all excitable. And the other person is an actual nurse taking care of yeah. the people that were sick. Like, I know it's just, That's too much. the whole thing is very sad. Um, and it's mm-hmm. obvious that, a lot of people suffered there, and um, kind of shitty, but that's the that's the <laughs> pre 1900s <laughs> version of the Trans Allegheny lunatic Asylum. And that's not even like the nastiest yeah. part of it. Yeah, it got way worse after that. So on that super depressing note, yeah, let's um, I'm not sure something I'm grateful for. I'm just think, I'm just flying off the cuff. Um, I was thinking today, as I was enjoying the sunshine in Minnesota where we live, where it's been really cloudy lately and kind of cold. Now everybody's going to know where we live now. I didn't give them specifics. Minnesota is a pretty big state. We don't know that. They don't know that. I live in a bunker. It was just really nice to be able to like spend some extra time with my kids, like quality time with my kids. Um, How many kids do you have? i have two i have two girls do you have anything you'd like to share that i'm grateful for yeah actually i did uh i I got a new bed recently i went to this is not sponsored at all (laughs) (laughs) yet (laughs) i mean Um, if you want to (laughs) (laughs) i'll make a patreon for it uh I have a Zenus mattress and I got one that has like foam coils. So it's like more structured. And initially I wasn't sure if I liked it because it was almost too firm because my last bed was total trash. (laughs) (laughs) So like all of this week, basically trying to get my back where like straight, (laughs) 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 like trying to get my back health back. But I, find I really like it. I like my mattress a lot. And I got like a weighted blanket off Amazon. It was on sale because somebody had returned it. So instead of like $80, it was $22, I think. It was so... I'm very grateful for that because I'm, you know, I have a job at the university. So it's um, guaranteed question mark job. So, so I'm very grateful that, you know, I was able to get a bed I was able to get that deal and that weighted blanket and I'm sleeping better now, which is nice. Well, to close out our inaugural episode, uh, you can find us online at yeoldcrimepodcast.com and follow us on social media at yeoldcrimepodcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us, should you be so inclined at yeoldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. So I'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. That's great. Right?